So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. It's time now for another book club. Uh, this seems to be uh, a bit of a popular one so far. People seem to be digging it. Uh, we've managed to get through Mr. Miracle. We've got through Secret Wars. We got through Pride of Baghdad. We got through Fables. So the idea each time is that a different person chooses the book. So, so far you've had choices from myself, choices from... Keith. Choices from... Roddy. Choices from... Karen. And <laughs> now it's the choice of... Vicky. So, what is your wonderful, wonderful book that you have chosen for this book club podcast? The Magic Order by Mark Miller. Mark Miller on writing, Olivier Coupel on art. Uh, so, yeah, just a little background on this book. It's uh, This was a six-issue miniseries. Uh, it started in 2018. Um, the issues came out at a lovely rate until the last one, but we'll get into that. Uh, it's now available, collected in a graphic novel, and it's only one volume so far. Uh, so far being the keyword? So far is the keyword because Mark Miller tweeted just before issue 6 came out that he was working on volume 2. Oh, good news. So this is very good news. This is one I think we all enjoyed. Um, yep. Why did you choose it? Well, I like Mark Miller's stuff anyway, but I think this tops. This probably goes to the top of the pile. But it was just a bit more darker than his other stuff. I know Kick-Ass can be a bit dark, but this was the darkest I think he's ever gone. Yeah. And just sort of the family feel of it, but also the sort of magic side of it. Then for me, for me, it's the gangster, the gangster side. That's what it sort of attracted me to it. I'll be honest. I mean, Vicky will read anything Mark Miller. He's one of her go-to guys. Just like we all have our favorite authors, you know. I'll read anything Schneider, Tom Keen, Keith Lavoie, anything Schneider, Tom Keen. Um, <laughs> Not true. Not true. <laughs> you know what I mean. So for Keith, you know, it's Jason Aaron, it's Mark Wade. You know, for myself, as I say, Schneider, Keen. Who would I don't you, really know. Yeah, who I don't really know. Who well, I think you go BKV. Yeah. Yeah. And by Robert Yeah. 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 <laughs> myself. I just love reading books by myself. <laughs> but I think we all have our favorite, our favorite writers, our favorite artists. Um, Mark Miller for me, I've all, I've said it loads of times, and these guys are probably bored of me saying it. But for me, Mark Miller's the Stephen King of comics. I don't think there's anybody who can rival him for sheer volume of ideas. Not all of them are amazing. But when he does hit, they are great. Given the amount of Dark Tower stuff, uh, The Stand, and stuff that Stephen King has written for comics, I'm going to say Stephen King's the Stephen King of comics. No, but those, <laughs> but those are adaptations of books. But that's so, true. I those are adaptations of books. I just find with Mark Miller, I think his sheer volume of ideas yeah, is incredible. So you're looking at what the Authority, The Ultimates, Marvel Knights, Spider Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Civil War, Old Kingsman, Man Logan. The Secret Service, Old Man Logan, Wanted, Chrononauts, Superior, Kick Ass. Huck was another one. Sharky the Bounty Hunter. Doing Sharky the Bounty Hunter. Space Bandits. Wanted in there. You know, he, he yeah. obviously did 2000 mm-hmm. AD. Um, and I a mean, Scotsman, no less. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And uh, if you ever get a chance, uh, not to throw it, because you should never listen to any other podcast but our own, <laughs> but iFanboy did a really good uh, interview with them. It was a little while back, but Keith introduced me to their podcast for uh, a recent interview with um, Tom King and then I went back listened to a few of them the one with Mark Miller's great he's just such an upbeat happy I love what I'm doing I love this industry kind mm-hmm. of guy whenever you're making that much money well <laughs> yeah I mean he's, he's he's just an interesting guy I mean people will say like you know oh he writes 
his idea is he's always writing with the idea of TV or movies in mind, but he says very implicitly that's not what it is. He just has no. good stories, you know. Um, well, that's I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because this was the first book that he published that was property of Netflix. Yeah. After Netflix bought the Miller World, the Miller World. Uh, in 2017 it was yeah I mean it's the first but it was the first comic to have Netflix printed across the back what that deal it's on the spine as well of the graphic as well isn't it that's that's true Um, yeah Yeah, I mean it's at the bottom it's got the weird Netflix symbol it is published by Image Comics but yeah there's there's this whole Miller World Netflix deal essentially it gives Netflix first look at any new material he does as well as his back library Mm -hmm. as long as it hasn't been adapted already so they don't yeah. own the rights to Kick Ass, for example, Secret or Service, Secret like. Service, or um, Wanted. Um, so anything that's already been adapted, they don't have access to. But anything else, Civil War, fair game. <laughs> Civil War, well, very loosely adapted. <laughs> Interestingly enough, we watched Civil War last night, and it does not say anywhere in the credits based on the comic book by Mark Miller. I bet you it gets thanks though at some point. And there is yeah, a special thanks part at the bottom, but there's about three hundred names there, and Mark Miller's amongst it. <laughs> Um, but it just says based on comics published or published by Marvel. Um, the the artist then is Olivier Coipel. Yeah, um, French artist. Yeah, um, known for House of M, Legion of Superheroes, Thor, Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers vs X-Men, Civil War, House of M, Siege, Siege. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, did so, a lot of covers after yeah. that. Yep, absolutely. So did they so. work together on Civil War together? Then is that they what they did? Yeah, so. they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was so, it not Civil War 2 he did did he do Civil War yes it was oh. Civil War 2 oh yes yes you're right oh, sorry my mistake continues yeah. to remind yeah. us all yeah. the time <laughs> um, so yeah plenty of plenty of stuff plenty of stuff the unworthy Thor as well so yeah they, they as I say they came out with this one the, the general idea of it was you know Mark Miller even described it himself as the Sopranos meets Harry Potter um, so the basic crux of it is the Magic Order is a group of five families of magicians entrusted to keep the world safe from supernatural problems. However, the order is in danger as its members are being targeted and picked off one by one. They must figure out who is responsible and put a stop to the murders. Um, interesting enough, Miller said that the idea for this came from he rationalized it in the real world. The reason none of us see monsters is because there's people out there protecting us. That's that's an interesting idea. rationalization. Yeah, it's a very grand. <laughs> some, some, some of us would go, "All right, there's no monsters." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and that that's that's all you need to know going in. But uh, it gets you right from the first first little sequence. I think. I mean, what, what's interesting, I think, as well, is this this the secret society. You know, they're they're normal people. They have normal jobs, like zookeepers and yeah. Um, Taxi drivers, taxi drivers, and all of this, you know. Of course, some of the higher ups actually work as magicians. Yes, um, yes. you know, doing cheap parlor tricks, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, as Vicky said already, this is definitely one of his darkest works, and it begins with arguably the darkest scene of the whole six issues. Yeah, I always think he has dark humor to him, Mm -hmm. but this book doesn't really seem to have the humor. It just has the The darkness, which I I loved it. I think. we were saying there's a bit of dread on my part, kind of picking it up because uh, I was told urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. But uh, as soon as like you guys alarm bells start going yeah, off, yeah, I was like, whoa. But um, sat sat down, read it in one sitting. Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous book. Um, but yeah, opening scene absolutely brutal. That's the thing. It starts off quite brutal, then it sort of goes a bit slower. But then by the end of it, you're just like, I want more. And mm. sort of, I found obviously with sort of I I read issue one then I left 
I think two, three, and four, and possibly five. I think I left like the next four because I was like, I kind of want to just read it all together. And I read it like the week before the last issue was meant to come out, and then it got put back. And then it got delayed for two weeks because they added an extra ten pages. So, I think you even noticed it yourself taking out because oh, it's chunky. Keith, yeah, Keith said and read it for a second time <laughs> in the store last week, and it was hitting twenty past five, and the store unfortunately closes at half five. He picked out the last issue and went, Oh, this is a big boy. Do I have enough time for this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, experienced reader he is, he got through it. But that's the thing, it's sort of like the starting pages is sort of you've got two men that are in complete darkness, and it's sort of then you see a, a kid sort of going down the stairs and going to the kitchen and reaching for a knife, which is just a bit kids shouldn't go near knives. <laughs> so, as then, a seasoned chef. As, yeah, as a seasoned <laughs> chef, it's just it's not cool. Like I sometimes get the old cut the here and there and it's just not mm-hmm. good <laughs> but um, so it's, it's great efficiency of storytelling these first few pages because there's one figure in particular out of the two who we learn is called the Venetian and you get a sense of his power really quickly because they're standing across from this tenement block and he says they've just finished copulating he's dreaming about a train journey from his teenage years she's just closed her eyes he gets all this information without even being in the room but then he's able to take over the body of a child and the child is going to carry out this murder. But even still, um, they're saying, you know, what if they hear you? Or the other guy says to him, what if they hear you? And the Venetian's like, they won't. I've cancelled all the sound in the room. Mm-hmm. It's great efficiency of storytelling of and showing it, this power within like, the, the reason, line of dialogue. The reason that he needs the child is because the building itself is magically protected. Yeah. So they can enter. So he needs someone who's already inside the building, which is, I guess, the couple's son. So the child goes, gets a knife, very quietly gets on top of his dad and then this this is where the artwork really shines because it cuts to a close up of just the dad waking up with eyes and you think oh maybe he's woken up just in time and then the next panel nope knife right through his head and then the kid turns really eerily to the mom he's just woke up and sort of goes Shh. yeah <laughs> you know you're sort of like you're just thrust into this world really quickly and as you said I think Roddy made a really good point there's, there's very very little humour to this book mm. I mean it's Olivier Kuypel's art is fantastic because it's detailed and it's crisp and it's it's the lines are clean, um, but you always know what's going on. Yeah, you know, even when there's a lot going on, you always know what's going on. The panel structure is fantastic too. Uh, Absolutely, because something I noticed was there's not that much dialogue in it. It's not like a very dialogue heavy book. It's like a lot, of, and I know what you're saying earlier, but. Uh, they said or whoever said Mark Miller writes for TV but it's like this is utterly what comics is it's a visual medium mm-hmm. whereas I think people just take that visual storytelling and go oh that should be TV that should be film it's a movie, movie in your head isn't it really yeah That's but a, um, yeah. there's some shots whether they are the idea of Miller or Coppel that are just absolutely stunning there's one of the Venetian in like a his, his first appearance the first appearance when you see him he's mm-hmm. in a mirror uh, there's a guy yeah. there's a guy in a bathroom and you just see they the Venetian in the mirror, mirror don't they? Yeah. Yeah. it is sort of... unbelievable looking um, should probably mention that this is an absolutely spoiler filled episode as always yes. <laughs> oh, <God. Yeah. laughs> it'll, it'll be spoiler filled but I think well, once we get towards the end of it maybe uh, cut back on a few a few details choice. on it just one because of my, um, it's available one of my favourite uh, moments there is the page before again we're still first issue the introduction to uh, um, Cornelia Moonstone. Um, that, that dialogue is fantastic. I, mean, I was yeah. reading it whenever I read it back to you. 
cop says she's in the back of a cop car so we're seeing that this is already you know the black sheep the black sheep yeah uh, she dresses in black uh, what kind of person gets arrested at a five year old's birthday party says uh, <laughs> says the cop uh, from the, the the magician obviously she says with a sort of a rag grin on her face how the hell does that even happen you're supposed to be making balloon animals and shit well, I guess it all took a turn for the worst when the mother caught me fucking her husband in the kitchen. <laughs> she threw a punch, I hit her back. Next thing you know, we're wrestling in the bouncy castle and some kid's having an asthma attack. I think the moral of the story is never pour vodka in your breakfast cereal when you're running the milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that, that sort of encapsulates Cordelia there, I think. Yeah, I mean, it shows her as a fuck-up really, really quickly, but then, you know, you then get a sense of her power quickly as well because they're like, oh, well, if you're a magician, how do you get out of this one? And then they literally look in the rear-view mirror She's somehow out of the car. The cups are lying there empty. Yeah. How did she do that? Critically, we learned that her specialty is escapology. Yeah. Mm. Very, very important detail for uh, the book going forward. Um, and then it's very classic art after this. It's very sort of 1920s vaudevillian. You know, the magician in a top hat and a tux. Um, a wee old lady on stage going to do the old classic catch the bullet trick. I'd say, like, he's sort of dressed like the great showman sort of that flamboyant yeah. sort of like 1940s sort of style yeah. um, professional magician by day yeah Moonstone the Magnificent yeah <laughs> so it's just sort of obviously showing that and this is the father this is Cordelia this is games. yeah that's the main yeah. I think he's the main like yeah so this game. is uh, this is Leonard Moonstone um, and again it's the the old trick of the woman shooting the bullet and he catches it in the teeth but again you're you're sort of thrown to the side a little bit where it's like um oh the lady's aim that good and he's like don't be ridiculous she shot me in the chest but that's why God invented Kevlar uh, vests so obviously a bit of misdirection there with it but then you're starting to get the idea of like um, them chatting about how some of the people are being killed and people are being targeted um, in the back and then they go to the funeral for the man killed in the first place and again this shows you the adult nature of this book what happens at this funeral um they're paying their respects. It's called the breaking of the wand or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah the ceremony of the broken wand. Um, as they bury, um, as they bury the one killed at the start, but the fallen magician. They're they're all talking about like who could have been the ones to start killing people, and they they seem to know straight away who it is. This is what's interesting about this book as well. It's not like there's a whole bunch of good guys, and then one of them's going to be revealed to be bad, so to speak. You see this sort of cabal of clearly evil people turn up at the funeral and you're like yep they're guilty <laughs> they're the bad guys yep. well, it's when the main woman it's like shows up with what looks to be a gimp mask yeah so it's just sort well, of very much a gimp mask which you know you get more of a sense of mm-hmm. later through it yeah um, but yeah this is where all the families are sort of talking about like who could have done this and blah 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 and they turn up but what they do here is is rather maliciously evil. They uh, actually reanimate the corpse. Or sorry, no, it's not they reanimate the corpse. I beg your pardon. It's a shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he's taking the yeah taking the, the the form of the the murdered dad with the mm. knife still in his head and, and his cock hanging out. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't going to be that. Um, I thought I'd save you and let you continue to be a lady. Thanks. <clears throat> But uh, yeah, I mean, you can even see just with the colouring and stuff like that, when they turn up, it's all darkness. Dark, yeah, and yeah. then as soon as they leave, suddenly there's a bit of green back in the panel. And, you know. And then, and then of course, Cordelia turns up late. Yep. Uh-huh. And drunk, I believe. So mm-hmm. uh, So we've met. We've met. Um, Leonard and Cordelia so far. Leonard, Cordelia. We've met uh, uh, Reagan, Reagan, the other son in the background, the one most likely to take over from, right, from, yeah. from Leonard as the magic order. 
Um, but they um, haven't introduced him properly, do they? Obviously, there's bits of it. Yeah, he's just, not... he's just back uh, backstage. Yeah, yeah, he's backstage with his father, father show, yeah. you know, and uh, they have a brief conversation that sort of shows around. And then next, the next person we meet is Gabriel yeah. Moonstone. Which is obviously the, the first an, child of yeah. Leonard. And it's interesting, all three of them are so different. You know, Reagan is very much the, you know, magic is my life, I will ascend to the mm-hmm. number one position. Cordelia's like, I'm good at this, but I can't be bothered taking it seriously. And then Gabriel has turned his back on it, which, you know, for traumatic reasons, which are revealed throughout. But it's clear from early on that the only reason that Reagan is tagged to take over from Leonard is that. Because Gabriel's Ga- Yeah, because Gabe's clearly the most powerful yeah. of the whole lot, but has retired, as you say, from the, the magic game. Yeah, so there's it's actually Reagan here following him around the supermarket. He's actually floating in what looks like a cloud beside him, but he's already said, like, no one else can see me. This conversation's sort of self-contained. Again, efficiency of storytelling, just brilliant. So it is because Gabriel's actually in the supermarket with his wife. Yeah, I mean, there is a. I think what you're saying is right. I think there is. There definitely is an efficiency of storytelling with this. You know, but they do it in a way that that is interesting. They use all sorts of wee magic tricks and tropes and yeah, <laughs> and like a sleight of hand. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but then, obviously, Gabriel says that he would have been at the funeral if he could have, but um, he, he didn't really want to be there, and um, Reagan's like not just not even enough to pay your respects. But then he's like, "That's not fair." And then, sort of on the next sort of page, it, Reagan says to Gabriel, "You can't blame yourself." And then Gabriel's like, "I'd still have a daughter if it, I'd been a normal guy." So obviously, something's happened to his daughter, which you don't know at this point what's happened. As a result of him being a magician, being, being a magician, yeah. Or, Hence why, yeah, he's turned his back on the whole magic world. At this point, despite his power and despite his, you know, as you say, he will most likely ascend to the top. But just the guilt he's carrying around with about his daughter means he's like, screw it, I'm going back into the real world and just leave me alone. Um, but even just little things like here, you see, this is them when they're a little bit younger and they see like this big magic, this big massive demon just lying on the hilltop and all the rest. It looks almost like a, an octopus with the arms, but then it's got a, like a mouth with like teeth in two ends. So it's just sort of, yep. it is just a monster. We're seeing a demonstration of Gabriel's power, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's so good. It sets up everything so, yeah. like as you say, efficiently in the first issue. You've got, like, I would maybe get some criticism later, but it's so good because it's it introduces you to the world, the mythology, and then you've got all like the Sopranos esque family drama. You've got like the mess up. You've got the guy that's going to take over you've got everything everything like just done really well you're into the story maybe there could have been a bit more like character stuff but it's told really well with like small moments that you maybe maybe you don't need loads and loads yeah, of stuff yeah it's not just big exposition heavy word balloons yeah. or narration or anything like that that's you know and the, the the building to what's clearly going to be a tragic moment in Gabe's background here you know where you see his power uh, and then you know you see his daughter swinging, and she's she's got a Bathing magic wand. Yeah, she's going to be just like daddy, you know. And, says, and then of course the next is it one of the kids when they were younger ask if they were going to be in the order when they grow up, and I think what looks like it's probably Leonard says you your cho- your children and your children's children. This is our family's greatest responsibility. So it sort of yeah, just shows that it goes back. Yeah, 
for generations and even, it's going to be even just saying this as well and it's something I've only thought of now despite reading it a couple of days ago but was Gabriel the only one that had a child to then be the next level because yeah. Cordelia is obviously just a party girl yeah. Regan's yeah. on his own in it, and it turns out they, Regan's gay he uh-huh. talks about his boyfriend later on so in a sense and, and again I hadn't really thought of reading it but um, Gabriel's child was actually the only, the only one, one who was there likely to yeah to continue the family's you know, legacy and, so to speak you know just just pitched in there whenever after you see that uh, montage there of the kid just going to be like daddy you see uh, Gabriel uh, mourning over a very small coffin yeah so totally bereft and that's obviously the moment he decided to turn his back on it all so but then again you're starting to get another um, again this is quite a short scene but this is very very powerful um, where another one of the magicians are trapped and killed and it's done in a really really interesting way it is way. cool yeah um, where they basically use a spell where the apartment's going to reform itself reality in fact two new people are going to turn yeah. up and they're going to be imbued with memories so that they think they've always been there yeah and again um, it's going back to what you're saying about the Venetian yeah. the first time he's revealed um, but again you're getting more and more of a sense of the power of this Venetian um Character as we lose, we've now lost them. Um, two, two, yeah, three. I think there was the, the, there was two killed in that last. Oh yeah, because there was the older yeah. Oh, yeah. Bear yeah. plus you know. So yeah, in terms of a first issue, like I was blown away by yeah, it. I have to first say. Issue. Um, and then you're you're straight into the second one again with uh, a little quick reminder of Cordelia's skill of being an escapologist. This again was really dark stuff. Yeah, about how she even was able to escape an abortion her own abortion yeah. Her own abortion. yeah she actually was able to remove herself from her mother's womb her own put herself still. into a doctor the doctor Wait. then had the baby and then they adopted her anyway and the doctor went mad yep. yeah uh, who for being pregnant with someone else's child apparently was teleported in her womb because again this is why she, in a way she's the black sheep of the family because she wasn't actually she, she is her father's daughter but she wasn't her mother's daughter oh. this was one that the father had an affair with one of his stage hands and that's why she was going to get an abortion but no 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 Cordelia said no to that <laughs> yeah, yeah. but again just really interesting ideas portrayed in one page um, and then she basically got a taste for the escapology and she's trying to show off at school she's trying to like jump into fire pits she's you know wrapped up in a, one of those vests as well and she just drives all the kids insane with like her magic tricks and stuff like that. So she's always been a bit of a, a bit a of a bit, show woman. And then the, the teachers are like going mad. Oh my god, we're going to fucking jail! <laughs> <laughs> and then she's just like the the grumpy child sitting outside the uh, the principal's mm-hmm. office. Um, but she's clearly the the natural fit to follow in her father's footsteps in the real world, in terms of being like a, a, yeah, know, someone on stage. Yeah. But as you say, a black sheep and a screw up. Yeah. So ends up doing. Uh, birthday parties instead where she ends up having sex with the dads yeah 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 and so forth um but what's really funny about the, that is they're telling the story of her and you know being able to you know save herself from abortion and all the rest and then it cuts to the kid's birthday party and one of the kids goes mommy what's an abortion yes. you realize she's telling this whole story at the kid's birthday party Mark Miller's dialogue um <laughs> thought that was a really interesting wee technique uh the, the magic order sends messages through Newspapers, newspapers, and different things, or whatever people happen to be reading yeah. at the time. You know? So, what do you what do you make of all the like the lore around it? The the order themselves going back so long, 
Do you think it was explored as well as it? Um, I don't. Could I, have been, I think there's there's clearly uh, there's clearly evidence come. of of a background there and who the magic order are and whether or not we're going to find that they're uh, I don't know linked to something older you know, mm. Arthurian legend or Merlin or some of that good stuff or 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 what. But there's I mean the the magic order where. Um, Am I right in saying the Magic Order were a group of uh, of illusionists that were employed by the British in World War Two, set up all sorts of fake tanks and all sorts of yeah, trickery to try and um, hoodwink Hitler? Um, Mr. Miller is available for the other Mr. Miller as a co-writer here. I could be, I could be wrong, <laughs> but um, I understand what Roddy's saying. I mean, the thing is, it's um, there is a lot of interest in lore there, but with it only being six issues, you yeah. know, so much time to do it I think there is a lot of filling in the blanks yourself but I think you're given just enough information to put it all together um, as you say it's it's just little throwaway moments almost I mean there's there's a part later on where they're torturing someone for information and they just would like basically bash them over the head with a book and then that person would be in that book like <laughs> stranded oh, yeah, on an yeah. island or you know having no access to food or you know I think Robinson Crusoe at one point um, but yeah, I mean, you have all this stuff where you know they enter into like their safe spaces through paintings, and you can only. I thought that was a really cool, really you, cool scene. You can only access that if you've been invited, which is then you know a progression on from the you know thing appearing in the newspaper, and so forth. And then you're introduced to my favorite character in the whole book, uh, which is Uncle Edgar. Which has yeah. what. <laughs> What animal was that? It's almost like a wee dragon on his shoulder. Uh, just wandering around a library looking like a weak old man. And he's like, you know, I would come out and help if I could. But, you know, I have to stay here and mind the library. And he's portrayed as this little pathetic weak character. But the sort of character he has is, is awesome, I think. And then they go in and then there's a big round table with two, eight, about ten of them sitting around the table. Did you say big round table? Yeah. Interesting. Right, the legend of uh, I'm wrong it wasn't the magic order it was the magic gang <laughs> in World War 2 a new okay. comic coming soon from Roddy McCann <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty busy so we'll try and fit it in so I'm guessing these are the other sort of these are the remaining order yeah yeah. yeah. And um, some of them we haven't met at all some of them no. we're going to meet some of them we won't meet really some of them you'll meet very fleetingly and we'll be like this guy for example is um, he's like a delivery man isn't he yeah Willie Yep. He uh he meets quite the uh, interesting end. So, so we're discussing the problem. Yeah. So the problem. But you've even got Cordelia sitting there drinking beers, drinking wine, not looking like she's paying much attention. You know. And then. And then the, I mean, I guess the gist is that whatever this is is so dangerous that um they clearly realise that they're all at threat. There's three of them already been killed. Um, was it four of them by this stage? Yeah. Um, and it would be a good idea maybe for Gabe to come in from the cold, bring his family, uh, so that they're not um, they're not at risk. Mm. Um, yeah, well, that's it. So they're talking about leaning on informants and stuff like that, and then it, it turns out something's been stolen, something very oh. valuable, which I interestingly find is being stowed away in this, like, fat guy's basement um, you see this suburban type scene and then they go downstairs and then so there's this huge hallway with all these magical artifacts and stuff like it's that like it's like Mary is, Poppins bag but in yeah. a hallway so and this is uh, I mean it, it's, it seems like this is like an analogue of comic book guy yeah from the Simpsons he's wearing his kick ass t-shirt you know this uh, oh, yeah. and uh, he lives with his mother but 
his mm-hmm. mother is in Sorcerer's she doesn't know that he is the guardian of this vault of magical objects. Yeah, she's object. under some sort of spell there, sort of oblivious to all of this. But am I right in saying when you turn the page, there's a little porno Maggie's left land on it? Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Right, yeah. um, so they're really playing up to those stereotypes and um, so forth. What has been stolen is a, is a thing called the... That's hard to read upside down, Vicky. The Horologium. The Horologium, and uh, the description of it's fantastic. It goes, you've probably never heard of it. It uh, broke through here in 1641 and ate through most of October. So it's <laughs> it's something that clearly yes. eats time. Cordelia <laughs> says, a time eater from the fourth dimension, right? Our ancestors trapped it in a bottle, if I recall. But they all turned 90 before they got the cork on. Um, but what's interesting is that there's also they introduced this idea of the soul camera as well uh-huh, which yes. is uh, the, it, it just basically looks like a normal camera but if someone takes a photo they trap your soul in a picture and it's almost a wee throwaway line it's like oh I guess this this is a soul camera Didn't, there used to be two of them and then in the next page because there's only one sitting there floating See, Willie, and then the, the next page the delivery driver yeah. he's then trapped in the photo you know by so. by Madame Albany, our masked uh, our gimp masked uh, villain and uh, Lord Lord Cornwall, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, the Venetian is there as well, and the Venetian's the one who applies the finishing touch because Willie's trapped in this uh, picture, but then the Venetian grabs and just crumples it up, and then mm-hmm. you, you cut to this sort of grisly close up of Willie just being crushed in the folds of the picture yeah. and then you, and then the, the killing continues again with another one of the uh, the magic order in a, in a taxi cab and the Venetian walks up does this spell and just Edith. says fill her up mm-hmm. it's Edith the librarian yeah. Edgar isn't um, part of the library it's Edith that's runs the library um, I think he's just got to stay within the walls he's he's, no, he's fine to mention he's confined to yeah. but he yeah, yeah but he, she's the librarian so and then it says obviously he says fill it up so all of a sudden the cab's filling up with water and the driver's like where's this water coming from and like they, they can't open the doors she can't blast open the, the cab so and then another pretty grisly death yeah yep. something that I wouldn't like to go that way drowning's <laughs> probably one of my scariest things and then but Jay you see like all the passes by I wonder if this is a little um, a little touch on the people of New York you know how they'll always help out people in struggle and strife mm-hmm. you know and little 9-11 type uh, allegory a little mm. bit because suddenly everyone's around this cab they've got crowbars out they're pulling at the they're pulling at the doors they're like I've got at the door something you think they've saved the day but no it's too late and the killing dead. the killing continues they're really they're really going for it yeah. yeah and that's that scene you were talking about in the mirror and then it's um, the next one is um, Mo Mo Rizzi um this one's a killing in Philadelphia, but again, this is the scene you're talking about where the Venetian turns up in the mirror and uh, essentially drags uh, Mo Rizzi through the mirror. And mm. uh, but they're all in the bathtub, sort of like snake sort of thing in the bathtub, so it's a bit eerie. Like they're all in black, and then it's sort of the background of the bathroom, sort of in green. Mm. And they leave a message with his with his poor wife. Most yeah, poor he wife. obviously doesn't know what's going on and. Um, but even that's just a great little scene because Moe's getting ready to go out because he's like I'm going to go out and find these guys I'm going to do something well, yeah, they've, about it they've been contacted by the magic order and so. then they kill him straight away and they're like I thought this is what you wanted Moe you were coming out to find us anyway mm-hmm. saved your trip yeah so uh, yeah then it ends with uh, Albany sticking her wand into Morrissey's wife saying tell him Camilla yeah so, like, leave a message with Leonard Moonstone Leonard. tell him he's next here ends issue two so, I mean, I don't know if it's worth necessarily going through all of the issues and then giving away everything here. I think we've, we've 
what you can tell already is just from being two issues in there is a lot of stuff set mm-hmm. up here mm-hmm. and a lot of great stuff to come um, you know the next issue I believe focuses a lot on the battle with Leonard and uh, Madame Albany isn't it? No I think it's more about um, them finding more Reg and Cordelia are trying to track down um, exactly what's going on trying to trying to put weight in some on people trying to find the they're sort of doing the opposite yeah, they're, of their they're, version of what the, the bad but, guys were doing in yeah, issue 2 but a bit of magically aided detective work yeah but um, then um, it cuts to Gabriel and sort of what happens with his daughter which I'll uh, skip over leave that as a bit of a surprise for you mm-hmm. we see a little bit of uh, Madame Albany and uh, Lord Cornwall and um, Madame Albany's perversions the shapeshifter turning into what looks to be a version of her of her um, yeah <laughs> which is yeah issue three went into it so issue three then lead, then ends sort of with the battle between leonard moonstone the venetian and uh again this again this is one of the reasons i really enjoyed the book is because like all bets were off on every single page and you didn't know who was going to survive you didn't know who was going to be targeted mm-hmm. um and that continues the whole way through it and I would say this issue possibly ends with the grisliest death of them all <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting actually um, they, uh, we see the demonstration of um, of Leonard's power as the head of the magic order when uh, the Venetian stands up in his packed theatre and, mm-hmm. and Leonard's packed theatre obviously the, the people aren't able to see the Venetian but uh, Leonard asks before the battle you know he invokes I guess ancient etiquette ancient magic etiquette and asks that the people be allowed to leave and then he Leonard through his own sweep of a wand vanishes the entire audience <laughs> out of the theatre and they all leave thinking they've had an absolutely fantastic night yeah and then the battle begins and Leonard knows that he's not going to win this he knows he doesn't have the power despite the power that he's already demonstrated he knows he can't win this but all he wants to do is weaken the Venetian enough that his kids can take him on yeah but then sort of and you even get a little, um, you get a little insight there into poor old Uncle Edgar and his connection to the rest of the magic world. Uncle Edgar being Leonard's brother. It's interesting that he's the one it cuts to to say oh, something is terribly wrong, yeah. and that's why I think it's because he is the brother. Yeah. yeah. But um, then not only that, it goes to um, Cordelia and, and Reagan, Reagan saying um, she realizes that there is something wrong, and then mm-hmm. on the next page, there's something wrong with Dad. Yeah, so they're all connected to the father. They all they all know because I mean, I guess he's such a powerful individual within the community that yeah, they'd all feel his his that, uh, his passing. That page is a very gruesome and yeah. Yes. I mean, if you haven't guessed it already, this is not a title for kids. It's uh, yeah, it's our <laughs> it's, it's an uh, R rated title. Yeah, yeah it's it's a very adult oriented. Do you know what it kind of reminded me of? It was a bit Game of Thrones esque in the way you were saying like anyone is kind of. Game of Fair. Thrones wishes it was this good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it also wishes it ended as well as it. And you know, James Wan's attached to the yeah the TV Netflix TV adaptation, yes. so that could be yeah. But then <coughs> directing the first one. Then yeah, so here anyway. So start of issue four, and it goes back to England, nineteen forty-five. So obviously the in the World War two two. So Is that why you were maybe thinking there was the link to? No, I mean the, the, magic, the magic. The magic gang, as I say, was a was a gang led by an, an illusionist, uh, Jasper Maskelin, um, and uh, there's some connection to uh, what do you call him? He wrote uh, in what do you call him? That wrote James Bond. Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming and all that sort of stuff, and they set up 
uh, like illusions in the hills. You know, they set up um, cutouts of tanks to make it. You know, in places in Europe to make it look like there was way more tanks. Yeah. You know, descending on certain cities than they were to try and divert Hitler's forces and use illusion and misdirection on a grand scale in order to do that. So. Jasper Maskelyne is known as the wizard, the, the, the magician of World War Two, and he, his gang of were known as the Magic Gang. So it is interesting that you know um, so that this particular scene is set in 1945 in England cool. on the cliffs of Dover. Yep, and then it, so it has, I think, five of the obviously back then probably, I think it says it's um, the kid's grand great-grandfather or is it grandfather I think it was um, and she's gone back in time somehow um, yep so Cordelia a young Cordelia has gone back in time to steal her grandfather's car to steal her grandfather's car from 1945 again yeah. showing that she can step outside the limits of what normal magic is now is that because she just refuses to obey the rules I think you know um I think that's what it is basically I think she doesn't like playing by the rules and if she gets told one thing she wants to do, do, do yes exactly yeah so, absolutely so and um, she gives she gives she, her grandparents her card <laughs> and uh, as she drives away in the um, not before the great line of this is why we have to think carefully before having children and I mean <laughs> part of part of what we're doing here is re re putting a finer point in the fact that we know that Cordelia Edmundstone specialises in escapology yeah. she's an escapologist and then her and Reagan are reminiscing about what happened and she's like dad's face when I came home with grandfather's Bentley I thought he would find it funny but he was totally furious so obviously she wanted to do something funny but obviously it's the mind of a child, isn't it? Yep. When a child thinks funny, the adult's gonna look at it as irresponsible Straight and risky. up again, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and, and then Edgar asks if um, Gabriel's been told about his father, um, but they're saying that they've been trying to get hold of him, but mm-hmm. he's been told, but he um, he can't talk, but his wife is uh, sort of bit struggling I think with obviously the death of her child uh, she seems to be in depression and anxiety which to be honest is probably the uh-huh. obviously what happens with something like, tragic like that and then um, and then Reagan is because it's the reason why all these wizards are getting killed is over a book yeah. I think we've kind of skipped over that bit of the yeah the Oracalcum which was the book of the darkest spells of Atlantis which was owned by Madame Albany's father and which whenever he passed as his protector he bequeathed it to Leonard instead of instead of of Albany because he didn't trust her yeah exactly so so, and it's 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 the book with with this book there's a lot of bad stuff in it it's got resurrection spells you know it's all dark dark magic of Atlantis so can take send you to a dark place and it cannot be destroyed by normal means Right. So uh, we have Regan here trying to use a flamethrower spell to try and destroy the thing, uh, to no avail whatsoever. And we're we're getting hints of uh, of uh, Edgar's Uncle Edgar's power, or at least his um, his history. But they his do continue to remind you that he cannot leave the walls. Yeah, he's not right. able to leave Once Moonstone again, Castle. He says like a peace summit. So at this point, 
the, 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 so to speak, the good wizards, I suppose, at this point they feel that they're overwhelmed and that the only way they're going to bring about peace is by a peace summit and agreeing to a truce. So, um, Oglegger says, a peace summit is the only answer. I'd join you, of course, in this dangerous meeting. But as you know, I'm forbidden from ever leaving this house. You know, so they're continuing to show him to be like this, you know, sort of... You, you probably assume he's a character without a backbone here. You know, he actually doesn't want to get involved, but he's like, oh, I have to stay in the house. So they go to this peace summit, um, which is uh, in a wizards-only hotel. Again, this is a great bit of lore building. Uh -huh. So it's this really busy hotel... Well, really great atmosphere but you could try for a year you'll never get a reservation there you'll always see the lights on and hear chatter and music but you'll never book a table no matter how much you tip the dormer yeah so, so you can try and bribe your way in there it doesn't matter this is wizards happen. only so and uh, you have to enter you enter in one door and you have to leave by exactly the, the same, same door and, and did we mention that it, it doesn't occupy any specific time yeah you know so time people or space yeah. so that's why you have to go in and out through the same door because yeah. otherwise you could um, and it's I mean again it's worth noting uh, Olivier uh, Koibel's um, really clean lines and uh, real sharp and you know his hat shading but then the colours the colours by Dave Stewart are really lovely yeah, uh, really distinguished. So the art is just the art is fantastic. It's in this worth book. picking it's, it up for alone, yeah. to be honest, and just having a thumb through. Mm. And that's what's great here, as you say, you're um, because it doesn't exist in any time or space. Like Madame Albany's looking over at her parents, going like, "Is this the moment they realised they weren't going to give the book to me and stuff yeah. like that?" So, as you say, it doesn't exist in any sort of space and time. But Reagan and Cordelia come with this whole idea of a truce. Madame always having none of it. She's like, "I'm just going to kill you all." And I'm, I'm done now. I've, I've, I'm getting it. what I want. I'm getting yeah. what I want. I'm going to run it my way, and that's the end of it. And then she she comes up with a counter proposal, which is um. We want the Oraclium and every other book in your father's library. We want the castle, your treasures, and complete control of the magic order. We're going to rest until you bitches are in the ground, and my shapeshifter here takes a shit on your graves. Yep. <laughs> so and it's not that it's it's not like her. She doesn't want to change the world. She just wants to. She wants to. Own. Just wants to be in charge. Yeah, she wants to be in charge. She says she, nothing will change. She, she just wants, wants to go back to her job, being a normal clothes, and sort of nothing will actually change. She just wants to have the book. Yeah, it's to, it's to spite her her father yeah. effectively. So I mean, again, we're coming back to that idea of family. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, slights and such. And then, and then obviously it cuts to Gabriel in the suburbs. And the uh, the unleashing of the horologium, yeah. which is the the, the, the time meeting to time meter. Yeah. yeah. So and then, sort of, he's on the phone to his wife, and then all of a sudden he, he comes to a halt because there's a small child in the middle of the road, and then that's where you see um, the child basically age in an instant, in uh, right him. in front of him, and then just decompose into a, decompose Nothing. into a bones pile of bones. And then he realizes what it is. It's the holly goblin. I think I said that right. Horologium. And again, that's it's globin. Horror globin. Horror And then again, you get that great. I mean, there's not an awful lot of splash pages in this, as you say. There's a lot of interesting panel layout, but there's not a lot of splash pages. But this is one that is just stunning to look at yeah, it's mad. Um, you get the first proper look at the, the horror globin and it's basically about a 60 foot high 
decomposing old man with a lantern, which I thought was a great oh, touch. And these worms dripping from his beard that sort of eat time. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. then it's going to... Because Gabriel's still on the phone to his wife, and he's like, it's, it eats up time from an, anything it touches. Someone released it, and it sent it after us. So it... So this is where you're feeling that Madame Albany has realised that Gabriel might be the only one who can stop them in terms of his power if he actually gets involved. So um, they send uh, the Time Eater after them. But again, this is a demonstration of Gabriel's power. He's able to overpower it. But not only that, he's running, but then all of a sudden he just jumps and over like what looks to be the street. Mm-hmm. So he's, yep. he's going from one street to the other quite rapidly and jumping into his house. Um, and possibly scaring the crap out of his wife. I think she's already scared. Well, yeah, but even more so with having <laughs> someone jump through the roof kind of would scare you even more. And then at that point, Gabriel defeats defeats it. And then he, he bottles it. He's able to bottle it in the same way as their their uh, ancestors did. But by the time the ancestors bottled it, they had all they were all ninety years old. Yeah, Gabe manages to do it by himself before. Before Cordelia and Regan turn up to help him, frozen time for sixty seconds, and then neutralized all the feeders. So obviously that's what the mm-hmm. worms, as Alan was saying, that are the yeah. feeders. So yeah, because he's basically frozen time, and then the wife is like, "Well, what are we gonna do when the minute's up?" And he's like, "I'll only need a minute." So, so he, as you say, he's able to bottle it just like the ancestors of before. Um, but what this actually has is the opposite effect. You know, Madame Albany thought. Just going to be taking these guys out of the game instead if you um, continue on it's actually a case of now Gabriel is involved and he's like I'm pretty sure this issue ends with him saying let's go get the fuckers basically mm, yeah um, I say it's time we hit back so and that's I, interesting because Gabriel was out and now he's in all the way yeah. You know. yeah and I think that's probably the best place to leave it personally do you reckon I don't think you should really discuss the rest of it um, okay I think that we've obviously talked a lot about the story I think that this is a book that's really worth discovering, and I think that Mark Miller's stuff, his twists can be great. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, like, I, I even, this even ended differently to how I remember it ended the first time, you know, because I, I had so many details in my head, but I just think anybody that listens to these podcasts, if they haven't read it, I don't want to give away what happens from then on in. Mm. I think we've went into like, yeah, quite enough, a lot of detail with it. Obviously, it's available as trade now. Um, you know, not to leave you teasing. You know, <laughs> how it ends yeah. or whatever. But uh, I just think it's worth definitely worth picking up. That's it. Um, I mean, it's a lovely, it's a lovely six issue series. You've got a great build up. You've got a, a a great turnaround. You've got a great conclusion. Yeah. Um, there was one part of issue five which comes into issue six, which is one concept that I thought was fantastic, and that was the idea of uh, using books using stories and yep. capturing mm-hmm. people in stories yeah. so at one stage there's there's a character and they imprison him in Robin Crusoe uh, you know Robinson Crusoe sorry the book and you know he goes we're on page 41 of Robinson Crusoe Robinson Crusoe from the Castle's Magic Library the day before he washes up there's not a lot to eat when you don't know how to hunt I wonder how you'll look by page 214 and then we flip through yeah. to page 214 and this guy has been trapped there for 15 years you know, all through Robinson Crusoe's stay, and he's left behind. He's, you know, so that whole idea of entrapping someone in a book, I thought that concept yeah. was absolutely even fantastic. Like, there's loads of stuff like that. Like it feels even like the. 
time feeding worms and like yeah. every set piece feels like it could be its own comic book yeah the way it's done it's so yeah. good i mean i think there's there's a lot touched upon this that i think mark muller could really build on in a, in a yeah. second volume you know and uh, I, I even wonder if um it'll be a case of when it comes to the tv show Will it build the you know what I mean? He's, maybe he's left ideas it, yeah. there that maybe you know writers can come in and expand upon. But them. Th- I mean, de- I mean, there's definitely if this becomes a TV show, I'll be interested if they adapt it directly or if they just take the concepts and the yeah. idea of the family and the, the the Sopranos and the magic thing. Yeah, you know, and tell a monster of the week stories or tell arcs or whether or not, as I say, they adapt it directly, which would just be class if they did. Yeah, um, so many great characters, uh, great great concepts really appeals to me and I mean we've talked before but I love the Dresden Files uh, by Jim Butcher yeah um, you know which again is urban fantasy magic-y type dealio you know um, <laughs> but it's, you know, can't, a, can't wait to get into all these urban <laughs> fantasy books <laughs> but yeah great characters well written lovely dialogue uh, the art's fantastic and the story's just so well so well told I would probably agree with you Mickey, that it's my favourite Mark Miller piece as well yeah well like I said I do read a lot of Mark Miller stuff, if not pretty much all of it. I think I've got in single issue form now, I think. And I think this definitely goes up the top of the pile. As someone said to me the other day, you don't have his 2080 stuff. (laughs) I was telling the customer in the store, I was like, yeah, yeah, she's got everything, you know, she's got right back to kick ass store. And I was like, well, does she? Does she have his 2080 stuff? So we'll, we'll search that out for you there. Complete your collection. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I'll leave 2080. It's never really appealed to me. But um, I think this, along with like Kick Ass, sort of his first run of it, and then saying that his sort of Kick Ass 3 with the female Kick Ass was like, I think that went right up there as well because it was something different. Is something that, yeah. is that, is that still Mark Miller? Uh, it, yeah, was it was at the start. With, right, okay. but with, um, and Established then, a new Kick Ass uh, character in it with John Romina Jr as we all know is my favourite artist as well so it's, it was good to have them back together but um, it's his stuff is like it is nice and short and you can like, I started reading the first issue one day or I read the first issue one day and then I read the next five all in one evening like within <laughs> half an hour 45 minutes so I take a bit longer when I read my books anyway because sort of I take everything in I go through the page like sort of looking at all the art and and then sort of you forget what you've missed you, you mm. sort of pick up little bits and it was nice to reread it and remember how good it was and why I do bang on about it so much mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I think um, for me it's a really weird juxtaposition because it's so grand but it's so self-contained. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And as a sort of comic reader, maybe reading your Marvel or DC, you're not really used to that. You're used to like a continuation. It, this, yeah, the story doesn't like. I don't want to say it drags on, but this is like this grand magnum opus in six issues, and mm. it, le- so, like, it leaves you wanting more. Oh, like, I would definitely. Yeah. And I'm like, is that a criticism that I really want more to know about the lore and to know about everything else? Well, so isn't I'm that? Kinda, I mean, I mean the cent- the center, the centerpiece of every great stage musician as always leave them wanting more yeah true yeah <laughs> I wouldn't um, I think it's up there for me Superman Red Sun is one of my favourite Mark Miller books yeah. um, that's one I haven't read there. yet actually that's one yeah. I need to, I do need to read um, I probably wouldn't be able to find it in single issue form probably not oh right. uh, so well there's a way yeah. <laughs> so. I mean I think I think this is one of his latest books and I think you'll you'll be able to see the maturation of a writer yeah. from Red Sun mm-hmm. right through to this you know so and he's um, you have to 
take your hat off to him because what he's what he's built with Miller World is absolutely mm. unbelievable. What like what a what a great mind of comics. And that's the fact. I mean, the fact that this is not your genre of yeah, preference yeah, is, no, a, is no. a real and a real nod towards the quality. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. He does at least like three, maybe four series a year. That's why like having his stuff, it's so short and compact that he can obviously produce so many but then like Alan said at the start not all his stuff is great but then he'll p- bring out a banger mm. say. <laughs> that is a banger <laughs> so, please never use something <laughs> <laughs> to quote Stephen um, which he'll, he'll probably love if he does listen to these so um, what do you mean if so well, of he does. question so obviously Mark Miller altered the uh, the, the face of the, the Marvel Universe whenever in the Ultimates he suggested that uh, Samuel L. Jackson should be cast as Nick Fury which came to pass <laughs> any casting thoughts for the Netflix series? I hate to be so obvious Cordelia Moonstone is basically just Helen Bottom Carter I would say mm, too young now too old now mm. I would say or Eva Green and maybe. are you going a bit typecast with the quirky that's what I mean it's, but isn't that, that that's Another thing. If she could books, act like, Zoe Deschanel, but she can't act. So. <laughs> but um, that's another thing with those books. Like, if you're a fan of like what? all these Netflix shows, like that's half the fun. Being like, oh, who could such and such be? Or I, w- I would, I would put Hugh Jackman in as Leonard Winstone <laughs> in his Greatest Showman guys. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, in terms of the younger ones, I'm not really too sure actually. Could yeah. you not for Cordelia do the girl that played um, Jessica Jones? Could she not? Could oh, she... oh, oh! That's a nice one, Vicky. Yeah, because obviously uh-huh. she plays a drunk. Yeah. Quite a lot in. She did it. She did. She did it very she's well. She's never drunk in Jessica Jones. That's the point. She can't get drunk. Well, that's true. But she's. <laughs> she's she, she, she did it. She did it very well in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. she's she's the fuck up. So yeah. um, I think that she would have been. She would be a good. That's fuck. a good shape. That's a good shape. But then. Something to think about. Something yeah. to think about. Yeah, I think Eva Green would be better as um, the villain, Madame Albany. Yeah, mm. Mm, perhaps. Anyway, maybe maybe one for uh, suggestions on a postcard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> suggestions in a comment section. What's the Coffee and Heroes address? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I say I'm stick a pin on it there. I mean, yeah, I I said it myself as well. I think this is Miller's best work. I do, although I do think Red Sun is a great show. Yeah, Red Sun's a great when story. Keith, Keith was. Reading, he read out all the Marvel titles, but left conveniently left conveniently. off the DC one. He would never do that, would he? I just read them in the list that I was reading them from. Come on, he would never do that. <laughs> we all know he's a Marvel guy, so he's good. And, and let's not let's not uh, let's not forget about uh, the pencil or the artist on that. Olivia Coppel, absolutely yeah. fantastic work, fantastic work. Yeah, great book all around. I think it's fantastic uh, covers too. It's another one that again we'll always do our best to have it in the shop. Um, as soon as it sells just order back in so um, we may be developing a little bit of a podcast section soon so mm-hmm. any of the titles we talk about a lot we'll try and keep those all around the same area and if you happen to like our ramblings on about them or they sound good they shall be um, so you'll have the postcards beside it for, for your answers yeah. on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your um, suggestion box via what media can Coffee and Heroes be contacted uh, so the usual uh, avenues for us I mean Facebook we're obviously very um very prominent on just find us Coffee and Heroes uh, you can find us on Twitter at Coffee Heroes 1 Instagram as well at Coffee and Heroes um, but the best medium of all is popping into the store Smithfield Market Belfast cool damn right see you soon 
Um, and next, uh, I believe it's gone to my choice next. We're back around. Oh, oh no! Finally, Keith is going to read Court of Isles. <laughs> finally. I still have to get through my July books. <laughs> Remember how quickly you got through Sam? True, That's true. how quickly you get through Court of Isles. Cool. Um, yeah, awesome. unless, unless things change, Court of Isles will probably be our next one. Sweet. All right. Nice. Um, but thanks for, to Vicky for choosing Magic Order. It was great to go back and reread it again. So Nice, yeah, to, nice to have you sit in with us. Yeah. yeah. So, Not that uh, I talk that much. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, she talks plenty. Uh, anyway. Whoa! <laughs> Slap. So, uh, we, if I'm still alive, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Until you know the stress of doing Keith Miller's pull list. <laughs> Until you know the stress of trying to keep caught up and Keith Miller's pull list. <laughs>